welcome to Don't Touch Me, the new podcast discussing the black woman's experience with violence against women and girls, which is otherwise known as VORG, domestic violence and abuse, historical child sexual abuse, adverse childhood experiences, otherwise known as ACEs, rape, blame narrative, intergenerational trauma, post-traumatic slave syndrome, stigma, shame, and much, much more. On this journey, I hope to empower black women to reclaim their voices and learn about the support that can be accessed. There will also be regular discussions every week on current legislation, breaking down the legislation and what that means for you. Discussions about policies and organizations to support seeking help, safety and refuge for women and their children. Join me in making hashtag don't touch me a feature amongst all of our socials and having those conversations, those difficult conversations that we all need to start having in order to embrace a full, full healing for our black women. Hashtag black women feel pain too. Please note, if you or anyone you know are experiencing domestic abuse and are at imminent risk of harm, please do call 999 in your first instant. If you would like further advice and guidance on how to contact an organization for support, please email don't underscore touch dot me at yahoo.com. Now, let's get over into the nitty-gritty. Right, yes, as I said, my name's Marcella. Um, I created this podcast because I realized that there was a lack of what I would call information transference to the community, um, especially to our black women. Um, Often you'll find that our black women are suffering in silence and hopefully this podcast will aid women to voice the things that are happening to them that they would like to stop happening to them now. Um, Why did I make this podcast? How did I become to making this podcast? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start because I'm really nervous. So please bear with me. (laughs) I've got all my notes here. You probably can hear me flicking through. But yeah, um, I started this podcast basically because I didn't feel like there was support out there accessible to me at the at just at the touch of a button. It became a a minefield of searching for relatable support, if that's the want for a better term to use. And in my journey, obviously, you know, I'm a survivor myself and during my journey of getting to where I am today uh, I can honestly say I have not had talking therapy as such I haven't you know had much support from family in regards to uh, what I had gone through while I was going through it and maybe possibly just before 
going through it so yeah this podcast is basically to use my experience to open up a narrative that we all need to be having a narrative on a discussion that we all need to be having um often or not black women of late will voice their experiences and tend to not be believed and this is starting to become a trend that I find totally abhorrent to the human nature humankind you know we feel pain too and um just because stereotypes have been used endlessly to describe black women's experiences or to stereotype black women into labels and pigeonhole them into certain boxes and we all know what they are we won't go into them on this show but it to me i just find it quite concerning that in a nutshell you know we're never believed and it's time to be it's time to stand up and be counted my truth is my truth and whether or not you want to believe my truth or not that's your prerogative i know what my truth is i know the nightmares that i live with i know the uh stress uh it has caused me over the years of my life and still impacts my everyday life now even though i am totally away from that environment so for me my very first experience was when i was a little girl i was sexually abused by my primary school teacher um approximately ages between six and eight you know trauma has a way of um squashing things out of your brain letting you forget as if it's like a like a process of you know involuntary healing you know black it out but yeah so I was abused by my primary school teacher um, I'm still unsure of how the details were managed in regards to uh, my parent um, I do know I told my mum I remember telling my mum and I can remember an incident at my primary school um, where uh, my mum and an aunt from my uh, father's side had come down to the school because uh, apparently quote-unquote the school had concerns about my behavior so for me that kind of confirms that I was a child acting out because something bad had happened to me but you know the system back then is not as robust as now let's just say moving on from that um, I then had the realization soon after that that my mum suffered with alcoholism Um, that's another topic not spoken about in our communities Um, my mum had a lot of her own issues and alcohol was her device to forget and you know some people they have devices and or they have addictions and my mum's device was alcohol and chronically smoking cigarettes um so yeah i don't remember my mum being sober per se she had sober moments but those were more to do with financial constraints of not being able to purchase the alcohol that she needed at that time or the quantity that she needed to fill the level of numbness that i would say that she was trying to achieve 
Um, I was an only child growing up, so I found it quite difficult to navigate my mum's alcoholism. I spent many, many years pouring the alcohol down the sink when she wasn't looking and then, you know, willingly taking the chastisement for that, you know, and no, I don't hate my mum, bless her soul. She's been passed now since 2007. However, do I wish I had a better upbringing? Yeah. Um, can't turn back the clock now. I'm just grateful for the one mum that I had and I know that she loved me in her own way and did all she could do for me, capable to her means. Um, after realising that, I spent many years trying to get my mum off the booze and as a young child um, growing up and on the way to secondary school it was quite challenging um, obviously children at that age you start to change you want to make decisions for yourself you want to go out with friends more and stuff and I was the type of child where I was torn um, because I would worry about my mum when I go out but then I'd want to go out because I'm worrying about missing out of my, what my friends are doing um, but staying home for my mum meant that my mum wouldn't choke on her own vomit or it meant that I was able to empty her sick bowl and assist her to the toilet when she needed to because alcoholism is a real illness, it's a real disease and people only discuss the obliterated mode of consuming the alcohol and then being drunk and as a you know, drunk as a skunk, if that's what you want to say. So, yeah, that was quite a rough time in my life. Um, and then, moving on from there, um, that's, I ended up pregnant at age 14. Had my first daughter, she's now 26. Um, and she's given me a grandbaby. I have a three-year-old grandbaby. She's absolutely adorable. Um, but yeah, so my first child, um, pregnant in 1994, had her in 1995, uh, nope, backtrack, what am I talking about? Pregnant in 1993, um, and had her in 1994, um, and then 1995 is when I ended up in a abusive relationship and he was 37 and I was 16. Um, again, a very difficult time in my life. I was in that relationship from the age of 16 up until, oh gosh, my mid-twenties. You know, it lasted about 12 years um, of sheer and utter emotional, physical and mental abuse. Um, at the age of 16 where my mum was an alcoholic um, I have started writing memoirs about these times so hopefully I'll start to release some of these memoirs but at the time you know my mum was deep in her alcoholism and uh, he would buy my mum alcohol to see me um, yeah that was a way that I could get out the house you know in my heart at that age I just wanted to be away from my mum's alcohol, I didn't want to be in the house and saying that, you know, looking back now, I wished that I'd wanted to stay in the house more, 
and you'll soon know by the end of this. <laughs> so basically, um, I was in that relationship for many, many years. Um, it was toxic and very, very, like I'm still coming back from it now. Um, every now and then, you know, I still have those moments as we do. It's not something you can fully heal from, but that ended with a gun in my mouth and a gun to my head, threats to my life. I literally saw my whole life flash before my eyes. I literally said goodbye to my three children at the time, my three daughters at the time in my head. Um, the night of the incident, I did have my youngest daughter with me. She was only three months old at the time. Bless her. She slept all the way through it. She was the type of baby that from the day she was born, this child slept through the night. I don't know whether that was, you know, a blessing from the Most High, giving me a break because he could see how much I was going through. Mother Universe, she could see, you know, that nothing's not clicking, nothing, my aura's just off, my whole energy's just out of sync and what's happening to me is basically inhumane and um, yeah that night I had to go through the whole motions of pretending that I was cooperating and that was the hardest thing to do because obviously I had my newborn baby with me and that ended with him falling asleep and me running for my life and never looking back um, since that time I've spent many many years uh, attempting to heal and grow from this experience, doing lots of reading, crying lots of tears. Uh, many many years later, which is about, mm, rewind to about five years ago, I discovered journaling and that has been my saviour. It's the cheapest therapy you'll ever have out here in your life. If you can't afford talking therapy, I would really suggest journaling it helped me to put so much things into perspective it helped me to take what was in my mind and put it on paper to critically reflect and analyze as to what was going on in my life how can I change this how can I stop these things happening you know again in the future how can I protect my daughters you know what does this mean for me in my future going forward am I always going to be damaged and broken and you know unfixable if that's even a word yeah bear with me on this podcast you'll find that I will be making up words as I go along but yeah so mm, my father as well he was abusive to my mother so that probably fits the narrative of intergenerational um, violence and trauma um, yeah so I'm here now, four beautiful children later, um, and a grandbaby, and I went back to university <laughs> three years ago and started my social work degree, and I have just qualified this year, newly qualified social worker status, well hey, and I'm quite impressed with uh, my overall grade, you know, kudos to me, pat myself on the back myself on the back I got a 2.1 so I'm very happy with that never did I ever ever think that I would have letters after my name it's an amazing feeling I can't even begin to describe how much of an amazing feeling it is and now that I've got this disagree I'm here to give back to my people if that's 
<laughs> if that's the great way, if that's if that's the way to put it, you know. Uh, yeah, give back to my people. You know, when I started my degree, I always said, I want to get my degree and I want to bring it back to my people. So here I am with the Don't Touch Me podcast. And um, yeah, I hope again, like I say, I just hope I help women claim their voices and empower them to be strong to leave and that brings me to a great thing that I feel a project called the drive project is doing because they are changing the narrative you know we often empowering women to leave violence we're empowering women to run with their children and empowering women to hide in refuges and safe spaces however what about the narrative of when will he stop doing it when will he stop being the abuser when will he stop hurting the woman when and I feel like the drive project has started something that could truly be amazing where they are holding their whole program means that perpetrators are held accountable women's voices are heard children's voices are heard there is a serious reduction in continued violence Um, the statistics show that I think it was just over 50% of perpetrators who were being violent towards their women that by the end of the program that reduced by right down to 2% so uh, and that's reflecting that these partners are going back and doing what they need to do these perpetrators are you know that they've not fixed per se but they've recognized and taken accountability for their behavior and their actions and have tried to address their behavior and their actions without using the woman as the reason why because there is nothing and I want to I want to like really get this out there like there is nothing you can do that warrants a man putting his hand on you Um, and I I should say um, the same goes for um, vice versa however I feel like I do empathize and sympathize with men who um, suffer uh, or experience domestic violence perpetrated by a woman however I feel that I need to be a patriarch for black women's voices because everywhere you look in society we are at the bottom of the pecking order you know we're never believed or when we get into medical uh, medical situations like going to the doctors or you know midwives hospital appointments um, labor giving birth needing medication your pain threshold is seen as something that that you have far more tolerance to pain than other races and unless that narrative is squashed right out of society how are we supposed to address the pain that black women are feeling because you know our pain is intersectional of everything else that happens in society the angry black woman who's blamed for everything literally we are blamed for overpopulating and overproducing children. 
we are blamed for um, you know being intimidating and aggressive and uh, loud and everything like, like I'm not even gonna begin to go down the list because we all know the list we know what's said about us and what hurts me the most is the fact that do these people ever sit down and actually try to place themselves in our shoes and actually imagine what it's like being a black woman where the whole entire world feels like it's against you but yet the black woman still has so much empathy to try and rise above it and hold everybody up no we're tired we are tired we are so tired of expecting to be strong and to not be weak well do you know what i had to weep i had to be weak before i got strong i had to be broken many 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 times before i got to this point so when other women come up to me and they say to me oh you're so strong you're so empowering that you've made it through i just think you're so amazing darling i still wake up and don't believe that i'm amazing and it doesn't help that there's this blame narrative culture out there where it's you've got versions of women saying i'll never let that happen to me no man can't come set to me like that no mm -mm, mm -mm. i ain't having that mm -mm, I ain't about that life you have that type of energy and it's like mm, do you really think that a woman that's asked for it you know not all of us were raised with strength by parents you know there's a lot of ancestral history that we have amongst all of us and n i can't even put a figure on it but if you're gonna put a figure on it let's throw 90 percent out there 90 percent of the issues that black people especially black women are facing have not been addressed they may get addressed on some platforms every now and then black history month world woman's day okay but you know what we're feeling pain every day we're feeling pain every day i turn on the news i'm feeling pain i watch a soap or a program um i'm feeling pain because of the narrative that's on screen like do you know how soul destroying it is to get up every day having to prepare yourself for the world outside your front door that you know at some point through the day there's going to be a microaggression there's going to be some overt racism there's going to be a sexism remark there's going to be a dig at your personality there's going to be a comment about your hair there's going to be a comment about your your clothes and your skin tone and 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 how you dress and how you speak and how you walk and how you talk like when will you stop policing our ship when will you leave us the hell alone so we can start to find amongst us the resources that we need to heal because clearly we are not welcome in the generalized population of healing and for that i created this podcast so that's enough of me ranting and raving over the weeks you shall hear me keep on ranting and raving and you know just opening women's eyes to how powerful we can be with knowledge and I think that's probably the essence of this podcast 
the power of knowledge for our black women to contribute to living a life that is safe, calm and free from harm. Just as simple as that. So moving on, over the next couple of weeks, I hope to have on guests to uh, share their experiences because I do feel like without hearing our voices, how are we going to come up with solutions? So over the next few weeks, few months, however long this podcast serves for, I hope to have guests on that will come on and share their experiences to help listeners feel that one feeling that we all need to feel in a moment of despair you are not alone i can't stress that enough how hard it is to feel alone in that situation it's just like no you are not alone um yeah so it's a hard time and it's a hard journey to travel and every woman's experience is different based on culture based on where they were born based on how they were raised based on religion and faith based on traditional practices and beliefs and based on old wife old old wives tales you know and old folklore that has existed for centuries and centuries that some of us still live by today but this week I'm going to start with the first and most important, I'd say, arc. Because you know you have story arcs and stuff. So I would say the most important arc to domestic violence and abuse, (coughs) excuse me, just getting over a cold, is coercive control. Now, coercive control has only recently, in the last few years, been applied to and included in the domestic abuse definition. Um, It's needed because that is where it literally begins. You know, we talk about red flags, we talk about signs to look out for. Uh, coercive control is something it's full of red flags however when you're in love with the idea of family life in love with the man you want things to work for your children you know you may be running on, on on empty steam because you know past family relationship and your elders haven't lasted so you're out here trying to play the matriarch of relationships when in effect you soon come to realize that you may be playing the martyr now with coercive control first of all let's uh, discuss coercive control in more depth coercive control domestic violence isn't always physical it begins with threats humiliation and intimidation other abuse that is used to harm punish or frighten the victim Because it is a form of psychological abuse, it may be difficult to spot or know whether it is happening to you. And that's a real thing, like, it's so hard to spot, especially when you're in this bubble of you need to be there for your family and do your wifely duties as you should. Now, the aims of coercive control is to have complete emotional control over their wife, girlfriend or partner. 
um, a gentleman called Joshua Clap Clapow or Clapov. I can never say these these names, but Joshua Clapow. I'll put the uh, name of his. I'll put the name of him and his quote um, at the end of the podcast. Um, but basically, he says coercive control is a relationship. Coercive control, sorry, in a relationship is by definition not about any of the factors that are being controlled money, social interaction, rules in the house, individual pursuits, but the actions are taken to gain control. So that's the con- to gain total control. Um, examples of coercive control, there's so many examples, and this list is not the uh it's not a final list you know this list can be very exhaustive there's there's so many different ways and like i said it all depends on you know cultural background countries you was raised in the transition from being raised in one country and then moving to a westernized country to be raised so there's there's all different kinds of examples but in the immediate list let's go off of the ones that really jump out at us so there's isolation obviously with isolation you know that's where you can where the perpetrator starts to break down your contact your immediate contact with your family your friends um, and loved ones that you normally would have in your life for support but they will start to make up things um, to make you think that your family does not love you and that um, they're not there for you and that the perpetrator your partner he is the one that is going to take your family's place and he's the only one that's going to be there for you. He only he can love you. He they can't love your family can't love you the way he can love you and all that and the above. So that's the isolation tip. And that can also um, extend into starting to be complacent about your work hours and then you start to feel like oh I need to give up this job because you know I'm not being able to fulfill my duties as a wife or a partner in the home um it could it could it could go into like you wanted to go back to college or do a workshop to better yourself and that notion of you trying to better yourself or perpetrators that evoke coercive control do not like do not like their partners to to better their self because in their eyes they see it as if my partner gets more educated than me or anything like that or more knowledgeable than me then they're going to be stronger than me and I can't have that I can't have that they can they can never know more than me and then we're moving on to monitoring activity so that could be wanting to check up in your phone constantly phoning you asking you where you are when you're coming back or if you have children in this situation using the children as as tools to get you back into the house by you know stressing that he can't cope with the children and they're crying and he doesn't know what to do and stuff like that so there's various ways of monitoring activity um again there it's all different to each woman in their situation um, monitoring of what clothes you want to wear or who you want to hang out with or how long you are at the shop for if you took too long to at the shop then he'll be accusing you that you slept with you know say you live at number 40 you slept with number 31 32 33 34 35 36 37 38 39 all before you got home with the pint of milk you was going to the shop to get in the first place beggars wouldn't believe um there's also restricting autonomy again that comes that 
plays hand with monitoring activity so you know not being able to be autonomous in your decisions as a woman making decisions for yourself um that things about making decisions about what you want to do how you want to do how you want to dress where you want to work you know decisions that affect co-parenting as well because sometimes in these situations the perpetrator will tend to be the overarching parent figure and can often use um, children against the woman I have seen that while training for social work and it's quite devastating to see and again we know about gaslighting yep that gaslighting oh I'm gonna do a whole show on gaslighting I think gaslighting um, at the moment especially with um, society as it is now I feel like gaslighting is something that we need to discuss in more DL we've got name calling controlling money reinforcing roles so already we live in a society where we're expected to live by these gendered roles and these gendered norms and you know some of us women that are in relationships where we feel like it's teamwork and we feel like it's it's an equal playing field do you know gendered roles are not bad however if these gendered roles are being forced upon you as if to say well you're a woman you have to do that i'm a man and i'm not doing that well darling we have a problem houston we do not have lift off we do not then we have the whole manipulating kids again i mentioned that before can come under the whole term of restricting autonomous decisions with your children and monitoring activity you know you could say oh, i'm going to take the children to the park however while you're in the park and your children were playing down the slide you managed to go behind a dustbin or a bike shed and have two two kissed with the caretaker at the park and then come back and he will accuse you till the cows come home till you feel like you have to back yourself into a corner and admit to some kind of madness just to keep him quiet then we have controlling your body this one is quite severe because when we talk about controlling our body we think clothes we think you know how we want to do our hair we think makeup but i feel like controlling your body goes deeper than that because controlling um body can also come under sexual coercion as well um in situations where you are made to perform sexual acts that you do not want to commit you do not want to do those things but you are made to do those things you are raped you are forced to have sex it's taken from you um yeah controlling your body you know it could even come in negative connotations of you swept the floor and it wasn't swept to his liking so he'll come over to you grab your arms and force you to do it properly with force physical force get you down on the floor pushing you down into the floor and physically moving your hands in motions as if he is teaching you how to sweep the floor and by the time you finish with that your wrists are red you know you feel sore and tender because of all of the poking and prodding in your head and all sorts that he's been doing to try and control your body to do what he wants it to do um jealousy probably every perpetrator that incites coercive control suffers with some form of jealousy whether it's jealousy of the children wonders will never cease jealous of your own children jealous of stepchildren 
jealous of relationships with friends that you had before even meeting this person and I feel like that jealousy you know a lot of times when people like that are jealous a lot of it is linked back to usually they are jealous of the people that can see right through them so they use jealousy as a masking tool and will say all kinds of things out of turn to make sure that that person can't come back to the house I'll give you an example with my ex it was I don't want people in the kitchen around my food when I'm eating I like to know my food is cooked in a clean environment da, 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 da. so if a friend came over and went to get a glass of water um, after he's obviously told me that then that's warrant enough for a beating so yeah jealousy is mm, horrible then you have sexual coercion again rape sexual assault performing sexual acts that you are not comfortable with that hurt that are painful and that leave long-lasting damage long after you have left this abusive relationship making threats is a big one where they will make all kinds of threats as to what they will do to you or the children if you ever try and leave but the biggest one they use is uh, a narcissistic approach where it's I don't know what I'm going to do to myself if you leave so there's all different ways of the making threats again over the weeks we shall be going into it more and more and more topics that we've discussed we will always discuss again if we feel like we have not explored it in more like in-depth detail because sometimes you could discuss a topic and you speak to someone else and you realize wow there's another take on it wow no I want to know that I want to merge that into how I'm thinking and you know better how I'm thinking about it so yeah coercive control I'll run that list off again isolation monitoring activity restricting autonomy gaslighting name calling controlling money reinforcing roles manipulating children controlling your body jealousy sexual coercion and making threats and again there's also the other intersectional layers that will be added to that due to you know contributing factors regarding faith religion culture country you were raised in um, um, and stuff like that um, healthline.com the way they describe coercive control is that it's a strategic form of ongoing oppression and terrorism used to instill fear <coughs> excuse me guys Woof. so as I was saying before coercive control it became illegal in 2015 I think that's when it was added to the uh, domestic violence definition um, coercive control again it's it's deeply grounded in gender-based privilege where men are usually the perpetrators of coercive control um, healthline.com recently showed some statistics um, showing that 60 to 80 percent of women seeking assistance from abuse have experienced coercive control so there again that number is very high so that goes to show that 
it's very rare that you get with a man and they show you their true card straight away sometimes it could be nice as pie all the way through an engagement although yes they may have been red flags there but as a woman you know with empathy ingrained in your heart you tend to look away from certain red flags oh that's not really that bad you know once we're together he won't be like that no a red flag is a red flag and i wish i knew about red flags and listened to all of the red flags well i didn't know about them so i couldn't have wished i'd listened to them but if i'd have knew if i'd have known sorry then would i be here today maybe not but then i wouldn't be able to present this podcast anyhow back to coercive control there is a uh diagram showing you the um the whole uh, culture around power and control um it's called the power and control wheel i will have posted this on the instagram page where you'll be able to see a lot of posts in regards to this podcast um if you head over to let's get this up and running now tell you i'm new i'm a newbie i'm a newbie right so if you head over to instagram and search for marcella underscore don't underscore touch underscore me over on that instagram page i will post a um, image of the power and control wheel um and please do have a look at that and share it with all your friends share with your daughters share with your cousins share with your aunties let's start having these uncomfortable conversations in order to bring about change and to wrap up this podcast i hope i haven't babbled on for too much and gone on for too long to wrap up this podcast i just would like to say thank you to all of the first time listeners who are listening with me apologies if i did babble on a bit too much like i said you know i'm new to this learning my whole aim and mission is to raise awareness for our black sisters in regards to domestic violence and abuse and hopefully contribute to educating black women and black men about these issues in our community and how we can have those discussions to come about solutions and you know i hope that this journey serves all of my listeners well if you would like to participate in the podcast and share your stories please email me marcella at don't underscore touch dot me at yahoo.com or hit me up on my instagram you can dm me at marcella underscore don't underscore touch underscore me again you can also hit me up on twitter on twitter you can hit me up as at underscore don't touch underscore me underscore yes that's a lot of underscores but yeah so you know hit me up share your opinions give me your feedback on the show i'd love to hear your feedback again this is just the introduction episode like what they call the pilot episode and hopefully going forward um yeah this grows into a beautiful space 
where black women can gain knowledge and wisdom and empowerment to make the changes they need to change to keep themselves safe and their families safe and also I'm hoping that this podcast if there are any men listening that you will understand that this is never going to be a podcast that is out here trying to bash men I'm not a man basher I refuse in man bashing what I will do though however is I will try to educate our black men as to what they could do to look at their behaviors and educate themselves in contributing to the reduction of violence against women and girls in our black communities often we put it at the black woman's door but it starts with the black man respecting the black woman a whole lot more than what he is currently doing at the moment respect to the black men that are trying that are trying to educate themselves that are trying to you know <clears throat> do the basics in relationships uphold their black women you know be there for them and the children and do everything you can everything you can kudos to you all blessings to you all and again thank you for joining me on this podcast it has been an experience um i'm still shaking <laughs> sweat pouring off my back like no one's business but hopefully you know um there's not much editing to be done (laughs) and i don't think i'm going to be editing out my coughs no this is real life this is absolute real life again you have been listening to don't touch me the podcast please join me again next time and again Please contact me if you'd like to participate in the show, whether you're a survivor, whether you are a profession, a professional in this, in, 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 in this, uh, topic, whether that means you are a domestic violence, um, support worker, independent domestic violence advisor, um, midwife, nurses, GPs, doctors, social workers i'm here and i want to hear your stories and hopefully we can all come to a narrative that helps support our black women for change thank you for listening you have been listening to don't touch me podcast with marcella your host see you next time folks